believe, and I'm going to let you clean it up. <laughs> and so, um, but yes, I, he's used to it. <laughs> I made some messes over the years, and Pastor Doug did clean them up, but I grew, and yes, he did. I cleaned up some of his messes too, you know, and that's what family does. Um, there, there's a number of things. I, you, you're going to have to bear with me because I am a man who's been pent up. I mean, I have, I've got, I'm so full that I, I, it might be like a fire hose to so just open up your hearts. I have been praying that the Lord would give me a laser focus, that I would only speak what the Spirit of God tells me to speak, nothing more, nothing less for your benefit, okay? Um, and so, but there's some things that I need to address in the Spirit. There's some practical things I want to share with you that I think would be of really good benefit to you. And so I want to do that first, um, but um, before I get into all that, God, we, God, Father, show, <laughs> we love you, we love you, and I, we do declare we are made for intimacy, we're made to dwell with you in heavenly places, to rule from heaven to earth. And God, we say we, we by faith step in right now, just open your hearts, open your hearts you're a heart being. Your heart was designed to engage with his heart. Open your heart. Hey. And God, we just say we welcome, we welcome your habitation. We are in you and you are in us. We are in you and you are in us. And we say yes to that. We align ourselves. We say, Lord, tune us to the frequency of your habitation. We say, yes, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, we know you speak everything from the Father. And you are the spirit of truth. And you bring nothing less than the truth. And we say, we, join with me. We open our hearts. I open my heart to your truth. My heart is a thinking organ. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. My heart is being reconciled to the truth. My heart is receiving the gift of repentance so that my heart can change its mind, come into alignment with Father, and manifest heaven upon earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, amen. That's, a good, that's, that's good stuff. Now, listen. I want you all to take note. There, there, there's a book I'm going to tell you about, but I'm going to show you this book. And it was given to me by Lexington Caroline Lamott. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this, this is a part of a journey that I've been on for the past five years and this book by Dr. Castellano is called Awaken the Sleeper. It's like God took all the different fabrics and threads that I've been seeing and receiving, and he began to weave it together. And I'm only on chapter 9, and I'm so convinced about the book, I'm telling you about it. So I encourage you. This is a great book. There's another book that I want to tell you about. It's, it's, on, um, it's getting ready to be launched by, oh, I'm drawing a complete blank, and I know him. Thank you, Ray Light. I appreciate that. Ray Light is the Sozo guy that Bethel hired out of the East Coast in Maryland to come to train their Sozo leaders. And he is the guy that when, when Bethel has a hard case, 
in their Sozo ministry, they send their hard cases to Ray. And he's got a book coming out that is basically, it distills the wisdom that God has given him on how to live in a soul that is reconciled and free. And it is, I am so excited. I've already, I've gone to bookrally.com. That's where it's listed. It's going to be on Amazon in December, but he's, he's doing it on Book Rally right now. I bought my, I, I pre-ordered a copy. Um, I know that I know this book is going to be instrumental um, because half of the issue of why we're not seeing the manifestation of the glory of God and the revealing of the sons and daughters of God are because our souls are not reconciled to what our, who our spirit man is. And if we can deal with the issue of our souls, God help us, if we can deal with the issue of our souls to the truth of what our spirit man has already received, the alignment and agreement will manifest heaven upon earth. Okay? All right. Is that good? All right. Um, Manuel, are you up there? No, you are. You're up there. Can you put up the first slide of the picture of the man that's, that looks like he's got light coming out of him? Okay. So I want to speak about this for a second. Number one, it's a shameless plug because I've started a new ministry page called The Revealing with Chip Payne on Facebook. You're welcome to follow and join. I'm going to be putting out some videos. I actually have some revelation coming out this week that's a key. It's really important. Um, It would be really helpful um, to many of you. I would encourage you to look at the video. My shameless plug. The reason that I wanted, beyond the shameless plug, the reason I wanted to show this because this, this image reflects the heart of the mandate that is upon my life and what God has called me to minister and to preach, teach, activate people into. And that is Romans 8, 19, that all of creation groans in expectation for the what? The manifestation or the revealing of the sons and and daughters, ladies, your son, the sons of God. And there is a revealing that is happening in this hour that we as Harvest Renewal Church are called to manifest and carry in this city. While I was still on staff here at Harvest Renewal Church, we had a season where we were talking about the mandate. The mandate. The mandate. What is the mandate of Harvest Renewal Church? Now, I I know that I was gone for a year. We are back. Praise Jesus. But I got news for you. There's still a grace upon my life to see into the church, to speak into the church, prophetically hear for things of the church. And I've asked a couple questions. I don't think the mandate has changed. Has the mandate changed? Do you know what the mandate is? Oh, see, there's a problem. The mandate is the presence and the glory. I, I, and, and I'm not speaking as an elder, praise Jesus. I'm not an elder or pastor anymore. <laughs> so, you know, the elders and, and pastors can speak into this. But in essence, and, and there might be some different words and terminology, but the, the priority of his presence and his kingdom and the manifestation of his glory, it, that is the gospel of the kingdom. And, and if, we, if we are as a house, we can honor the mandates of other churches while embracing the mandate that God has given this house. That when we confidently embrace the mandate that God has given us as a group of people and we raise that banner high, what happens is it's like being in a battle where the banner is raised up. Those that are on the outside looking for where they're supposed to be will see the banner of the mandate that we are called in this city to carry, and they will come running 
to take their place. It is right. And so part of the challenge this morning, and I don't have all that much time to do it, but part of the challenge this morning is to, to re-engage you with the mandate of what, what, not what I'm saying, not what I have said as a leader in my past season, but what is God still saying? Has his word changed? Not just his, his logos word, but has his word over this church and its mandate, has it changed? No, it has not. I can tell you by the Spirit. No, it has not. There is something, I, I mean, I'll just be honest. The Lord told us to leave. We didn't understand. We, my, my wife and I heard separately in different parts of the house at the same time. We are here to leave Harvest Renewal Church. We didn't understand it. We submitted it to Doug and Cindy. They graciously released us. We spent a year looking in this city for a place that we could rest our heads. Now, I know that in my DNA, I'm already weird. And, I'm, and, and I have family here. Y'all have the same DNA, you know? But I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not ragging on any other church. What I'm saying is that because of who I am and what's in my DNA and what I carry, there is no other place in this city that we could find as a family that carries what this house carries. I actually met with Doug and had lunch with him before we even heard the Lord to come back and told him, look, we went to one of the biggest faith churches, word of faith churches in the city, very well known. I have lots of respect for them, but in the measure of anointing and worship, anointing from the pulpit and the presence and the glory, it did not compare to what we have in this house. And so part of this morning is we're going to be talking about or dealing with what we think about ourselves and our hearts. Because this is what's happened. Over the years, our experience, our circumstance has tried to define how we think about ourselves in our hearts. And so instead of the Word of God causing repentance to come into our hearts, a gift to change how we think, we are now trapped in a circle, a circle path, a cycle of reinforcement that keeps us thinking that we're small and we're not. I, Harvest Renewal Church is not small. You are not small. For a long time before I left staff, I would get up and I would say, you are bigger than you think you are. That's still inside my heart. You are bigger than you think you are because you serve a papa who's a big, big God. He's big. And all of God is inside of you. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. That's quality and quantity. Greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. But what has happened is your circumstance has created a pathway of negative reinforcement that has contained you and held you from stepping into the fuller measure of the glory of God and what he has for you. That's individually and that's corporately. 
We have been far too long defined by the boundaries of this building. We have been, we have been far too long confined by the limitations of, of the finances of the budget. We have been far too long confined and held captive to wrong thinking. I remember, I remember Debbie Halcom, an elder's wife, before they were even members of this church, she got a download, wrote it in her journal. I think this is accurate. I, I want to make sure we can talk. Y'all can ask Debbie after this because she's not here today. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, before they were even members of this church, she has it written down in a journal, a word that the Lord gave her that Harvest Renewal Church was going to become one of the largest churches in the country. I remember a colonel. There you are. That you had a vision of Jesus and a glorious chariot bringing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people to this door. I just want to say to you that the church and who the church is, who we are as a part of the body of Christ, is not defined by this building. It's not defined by our location. It's defined by who Father says that we are and what we are called to carry. It's time to start thinking beyond these four walls. It's time to start thinking about influence. It's time to start thinking about manifesting what God has called us to carry and taking it out. Because leadership is influence. It's not numbers. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I don't want, well I'm not on staff anymore, but I can say this with a free heart. I don't want a big church anymore. I did that. I went to all the growth, church growth things. I finally, I mean, please, please forgive me. I mean, Wayman got up and did the whole Marine, roses are red and violets are green. If you, you know, get up off your, mm, and become a Marine. But it's time. But I mean, I, there was a time where I was like, if I went, if someone else told me how to grow a church, I was going to tell them to shove it up there. Mm, because it didn't work. And, and, and please forgive me for my, my little fleshy comedy, but, but I, I just want to say to you that the way it will work is when we believe who God says that we are and we champion it and carry it with all glory and all honor to Him. When we believe what He says about us and that we champion that thing and we lead it out and, and, and people will just come running. You're bigger than you think you are. And I've got proof. So let's turn to John 17. I'm going to lay down a thesis and a proof this morning that the glory of God, the very glory of God, I'm talking about the, the splendor, majesty, the awe, wonder, shock of the glory of the Father is your inheritance. It is yours. Otherwise, Jesus was a liar. If the glory was not for us, then Jesus was a liar because Jesus said, you will do greater things than I did. You have to remember, Jesus' ministry was still a ministry of the old covenant. His ministry, every miracle he did, everything that he did, 
every sign and wonder, every, every resurrection, everything he did was out of the glory of the old covenant because he had not died, gone into the ground, and was not resurrected yet. And, we're, and, and this passage is going to speak into that. So, I'm trying to think about how, go, how to do this. We are going <laughs> to, it's a long chapter. There's literally so much chalked into this chapter, I could spend a month just on the chapter. I could spend long, I'd spend six weeks just on the chapter. Just about what it means to be in the name, and the Yad, the Hey, the Vav, the Hey, the, the, the uh, Tetragrammaton of God's name, the four consonants of Hebrew, which means we're surrounded by God, and before, behind, on either side, hemmed in. He goes, his glory goes before us. His glory is our rear guard. We're surrounded by God. We're in Him. That's the only way we could be in the name. We're in Him, in Christ, right? I will stop right there. Okay, so... Let's start with verse 1. Let's just start eating this elephant one bite at a time. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Now, I want you to, you need to take notes this morning. I'm serious. You need to take notes this morning. Because this thing is going to radically transform how you think about yourself and what, how you think about yourself in the context of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because you have to remember that this was Jesus' high priestly prayer for not only his disciples, but that e for every believer that would come after them before he went to the cross. The, in, in the law of hermeneutics, the, the, the positioning of this passage, the timing of this passage, the, the narrative of this passage gives such weight and credence to its importance, it is un, it is, we, we cannot let it be deniable. Jesus, before he's going to the cross, prays for his, his disciples and for every disciple that would believe after them, which is you and me. And so... I mean, this is the thing that he says before the greatest moment in all of creation, since the creation. Do you, do you understand the importance of this passage? The other thing is you need to remember as a foundation to understanding this passage is that Jesus did everything as a man. He laid down his divinity. He came, was born in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He came as a man, and, and as John the Baptist was prophesying about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one that would come and baptize with power and fire, Jesus walks up on the scene, and his cousin goes, the man I speak of is him. And John says, baptize me. He wasn't asking for a water baptism. He was asking for the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, no, we need to obey the Father. I need to be baptized in water. And then what happened? He received the dove, the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, he, he, he came as a man. He left his glory. And I'll we'll be able to prove that in a moment. He left what he had in glory to come into the glory of the old covenant to manifest the work and the redemption, the plan of redemption to bring and reconcile us back into everything that was lost in the fall. So he, it's very interesting as a man 
filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. I want you to write in your notes the law of reciprocity. That if it's legal for Jesus, who, was, who came as a man to be a template and a design from which we could follow, that we as his disciples, followers of Christ, that we would then be able to apply the law of reciprocity just as he did. In other words, it's legal for you to pray this prayer. Father, glorify me. Glorify me that I might glorify you. He wants to give you his glory. He wants to display you. You are a planting of the, of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What is splendor? Glory. Come on, you oaks of righteousness. You're bigger than you think you are. Glorify me that I may glorify you. It, I give you permission. I speak to your heart, and I give your heart permission to, to, to believe and to pray, believing that the Lord desires to glorify you for his glory. Now, in verse 2, he says, Even as you have given him authority over all flesh, and to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. I'm reading from the New American Standard because I'm in the interlinear Bible so I can have all my Greek words and everything right in front of me as I teach this. So your NIV might be a little bit different, but I'm out of the NAS. Um, stay where you are, but just listen to what I'm saying. So even as he, you have given him authority, that word in the Greek is exousia. Um, that should be the first word, exousia. Oh, it's so small. Oh, dear Jesus, my apologies. It's been a long time since I've done a slide. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's bad. Woo! Take it off quick. Take it off. <laughs> power and authority influence the right and privilege, the power of rule or government, the power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Specifically, the power of judicial decisions, the authority to manage domestic affairs. Jesus had dominion over domestic affairs. A little bit better. Good. You can, you can sort of read it. Just pull out your readers, okay? If you're on the front row, you can read it. So Jesus had authority over all of the dominion of the earth, right? So he's saying, you've given me authority over all flesh to all whom you have given it to me, that I may give them eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you. Who is the you? It's the Father. That you may, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Now what's interesting is, is that word know in the Greek is gnosko. Are there children in here? Okay, thank you. Um, 
I will, yeah, I'm going to change my terminology, but y'all will be able to read through the lines. So, gnosko basically is a, it is knowing, it is a process of revelation, of coming into the knowledge of, but interestingly enough, it's also the, the Jewish idiom um, that is used to, uh, for, for marital relations. Okay? Who is the bride? Who is the bridegroom? Okay? Why did Jesus give marriage between one man and one wife? It is a reflection of the glory that he intends between God and us. Every time a, a couple gets married and they perform the act of marriage, they are doing a prophetic act declaring the oneness that Jesus prays about in this passage. Declaring the oneness, the union of man reconciled with the Father through Christ. Every time that marriage is honored, this is why marriage is being trashed and bashed in our society because the enemy understands what God is getting ready to do is a revealing of the sons and daughters of God, a revealing of the union. It's a revealing of the union, and out of the revealing of the union, it's going to come manifestation that is going to turn the world upside down. So yes, the enemy's coming against marriage. He's coming against unity, even unity in our government, unity in our, in our society. We're more polarized than we've ever been. Why? Because the enemy understands the move of God that's on the tipping point of getting ready to come. It's teetering, tottering, and we're, I mean, we're, we're sort of in it, but yet it's like the momentum is just beginning to take shape. And he's doing everything he can, just like when Jesus was getting ready to be born, how did the enemy come? He came to Bethlehem and killed all the two-year-olds. Or I think it was Bethlehem, wherever, wherever, whatever, whatever town it was, but he came and Herod had him killed. He tried to kill the manifestation. Did he succeed? No. Is he going to succeed now? No. Come on. So the whole point of this is there is a knowledge and an understanding of two becoming one, a oneness that, that Jesus is beginning to speak into that we would be able to know not just Jesus, but we would be able to have a oneness with the Father. Most of Christian experience, that, is, that, is, that thought is so far removed. God, is, God the Father has been so distant. There's been such an ability to relate to Jesus. But a lot of us have had a really difficult time even approaching the Father. That's changing. It's been changing for a while. But the whole reason Jesus came was that it was his delight that as, as brothers and sisters, we would, we would share and enjoy the Father just as Jesus shares and enjoys the Father. So he goes on, he says I, in verse 4, I've glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work with, that you've given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I, I had with you before the world was. Okay. Buckle up. Because here we go. Now, Father, glorify me. We've established that if it's okay for Jesus to pray that, 
it's okay for us to pray it because we follow after him, right? We're sons and daughters. Glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now, interestingly enough, I'm going to speak about the world and I'm going to get into the word glory. The world in that, in that passage in the Greek is the word cosmos. He's not just talking about the, the, the terra firma of the earth as a sphere and a globe floating in space. He's talking about all of creation. Out of the billions of galaxies, out of the billions of stars, out of the multiple billions of planets, he's saying, before there was a was, give me the glory that I had with you back in that place, before the world, the cosmos even existed. Restore to me the glory. Now listen very carefully. Why is Jesus is asking for a glory? He has a glory, but he's asking for the greater glory that, that he had with the Father not the glory that he was operating out of in the Old Testament, the old, the old covenant. Now glorify me together with yourself. That word glory is doxa. Is that definition all messed up too? John, can you all put up doxa? Are you doing it? Okay. That is okay. So here, here's, this is interesting. Say, so re-engage your hearts back to me. I re-engage my heart with you. Heart to heart. Listen. Doxa is, at first glance, an opinion, a judgment of you. Opinion, estimate, whether good, bad, concerning someone. Oh, that's so much better. Then it gets to 2A. Doxa, glory, in the New Testament, always a good opinion concerning one, resulting in praise, honor, and glory. Splendor, display of the splendor. Splendor, brightness of the moon, sun, stars, magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace, majesty, a thing belonging to God. The key I want you to understand here is 2A. In the New Testament, always, say always, always. a good opinion, say good opinion, opinion. concerning me, concerning Jesus, Jesus. resulting in praise, praise. honor, Honor. glory. glory. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you believe that it is right and true that God the Father wants to glorify His Son, resulting in giving Jesus Himself praise, honor, and glory. Do you believe in your heart that the truth is, is that God wants to do the same thing for you? He wants to give you praise, honor, and glory. Every religious fiber in me rebels against that thought. Let's just get rid of the religious devils right now. Say, I break agreement with religious thinking. I agree and partner with the truth. I give myself permission to let go of religious paradigms that keep me from my full inheritance in Jesus' name. 
So here's this. Jesus is saying, give me back the glory that I had with you before there was a was. Before the cosmos, the stars and the galaxies and the expanding universe was even even a blip. That which I had with you, Father, in the time before there was time. Give it back to me. Now we move forward. You have to mark verse 5 because it's the head of the prayer. Verse 1, glorify me that I may glorify you. Now give me back the glory that I had with you before there was a was. This head of the prayer contextualizes and defines the rest of the passage. He goes on in verse 6 and he says, I've manifested your name. Remember, we can talk about that later. Yod, hey, vav, hey. But we, I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. That word manifested in the Greek is phanero. Phanero, now remember, didn't Jesus say to one of his disciples, if you've seen me, you have? Okay. When Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom, revealing the kingdom, how did he do that? Demonstrated it through bringing heaven to earth, dealing with, he's the prince of peace. He destroyed every work of chaos that came across his path. Signs, wonders, healings, deliverances, casting out devils. Come on, this is the gospel. This is what the fruit of the gospel is. So he says, to make manifest, visible, or known that what has been hidden or unknown to manifest by, by whether by words or deeds or in any other way, to make actual, invisible, realized. God, Jesus said, I finarrowed you, Father. I made you realized. I made you visible. I brought you out of hiddenness and into truth and reality that it would be seen, that you have been seen. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. To expose to view, to make manifest, to show oneself appear, to become known, to be plainly recognized. Jesus made the Father plainly recognized. You know, I, I am still challenged. I'm growing in all of this with you. I'm not, I'm not there. But I have enough sight to go, I'm on to something. And man, I'm going after it. But I want to tell you, I'm like, if we see, when we see the homosexual or we see the prostitute or we see the leper or whatever the ugly thing is, and we can't, we can't respond to them the way Jesus responded to them, then we're dealing with a religious spirit. We're a Pharisee and a Sadducee. I know that there are people that struggle and they have, they're, 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 with unlovely things. But, oh God, I want to manifest the Father so that when I walk up to someone in Christ, clothed in Him, smelling of Him, that I would respond the way that Jesus did because it was the manifestation of the Father's heart. I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to sozo it. Save, heal, deliver. 
I've manifested your name to the men that you've given me. Now they have, now verse 7. Now they have come to know, same word, gnosko. Well, thank you. I didn't ask for that, but that's good. So they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Everything that Jesus had was given by the Father. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them. They received them and truly understood that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I'm catching my breath. He goes on. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And now this is interesting. All things and all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine. I have been glorified in them. Jesus, we, we talk about inheritance. And we talk about it really and truly. I've talked about I've talked about it with with a measure of understanding, but with a lack of understanding. That's part of sanctification. We're growing up in maturity and wisdom and stature, coming into the fullness of what God has for us. But I want to expand your understanding of inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. Christ is saying, Jesus himself is saying, all things that are mine, Father, are yours. And Father, all things that are yours are mine. Where are we right now? In him. Ephesians chapter 1, 2, part 3. In him, in him, in him. We've inherited every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In him. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Plural. Not just the throne room. You can access many places in heaven. You're a dual-dimensional, a bi-dimensional being. Did you know that? Come on. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's another sermon. We'll stop right there. So, all things are mine or yours, and yours are mine. So, Jesus is saying, give me the glory that I had with you before the world was. Father, everything I have is yours, and yours is mine. So, ergo, therefore, logic would say the Father's glory is Jesus' glory, which therefore makes it uh-huh, my glory. He goes on, he says, we're co-heirs in Christ Jesus. He goes on and says, I'm no longer in the world, the cosmos, which is an interesting because, he's, I mean, he's in the garden praying, right? He's, I mean, he's at the end of his ministry praying before he goes to the cross. He's obviously physically present upon the earth, but he makes this weird statement. Let's think about this practically. We don't talk about these things because there's so much spirit, there's so much rhema of, of, the, of the spirit of God in the scripture that many generations, the mind of man has had understanding. Well, I got news for you. The spirit of understanding has come to the church in this hour. 
there is a, there is a, just like the, there was back in the 70s with the beginning of the charismatic renewal, just like it was in the 80s with the beginning of the prophetic movement, just like it was in the 90s when, when the apostolic movement started to shoot up and bud. We're at a, we're at a, a, a new epoch in the church where the kingdom age is upon us. And the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding is at the door and he's available. Come on. He's available and he's giving, he's giving wisdom and understanding so that we can come alongside because he is about to reveal his sons. I'm not excited about this at all. <laughs> so I'm no longer in the world. Yet they themselves are in the world, and I've come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name. The thing that he finerode, the manifestation, keep them in the knowledge of all that you are, Father. The name which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Now, I've preached this message. It's like this is the first time in my ministry I have a, a message that I cannot get off of. In my entire life in ministry, this is the only time I have preached this message like five or six times in different places already. And this is the first time I've preached it here. I've never done that before. But there, I've, I'm, I'm so gripped by a conviction about the reality of this word and its thesis and its proof about the, the, the age we have stepped into and who we are called to be. I am gripped and I am championing a message that I believe that by the Spirit of God is going to set us free to bring us into greater realms of His glory for, the, for His glory. The oneness, the prophetic image of one man, one woman coming together into one flesh, a prophetic declaration in act in marriage as well as in the institution of marriage of what God has designed and purposed from the beginning of time since Adam and Eve, his heart has always been as demonstrated through this the, the, the sanctity of marriage, the act of marriage, the prophetic voice of marriage, of oneness, of unity. There's, not, there's a unity that God is bringing that is not agreement with man's mind to man's mind. There is a, an, there is a unity that God is bringing that is a unity with the one voice of His voice by His Spirit. And as the sons and daughters of God come into their revealing, that there will be no issue of understanding the one voice that is speaking. Because the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It's going to make decisions a lot easier. It's going to make the fruit of those decisions much more fruitful. There's going to be a grace and a power where there hasn't been a grace and a power. I, I've said this in the past when I've preached this message. In other words, and, and this sounds a little bit heretical, but that's okay. Um, your, your religious mind will get over it. But <laughs> Jesus bought and paid for with his death for us to have a fourth place inside the Trinity. 
We're in Christ. We're in him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. He, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. We are surrounded. We're in him. He's, he's brought us into the very existence of the Trinity and the mystery of the Trinity. That is the place that we dwell. That is the place that we fellowship with him from. We are literally been surrounded by the oneness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have a full access. Now, I'm going to skip over some verses because he goes on. He prays for his disciples that the things that he's saying would bring them joy, that even though they're of the world, don't take them out of the world, but protect them from the evil one. And he goes on. He asks for them to be sanctified by the truth, set apart for God's purpose. There's a purpose to the glory. You need to write that down. There's a purpose to the glory. I love laughter. I love signs, wonders. I love gold dust. I love jewels. I want to see that stuff manifest here. I love that stuff. But there's a purpose to the glory. I love getting tickled by Papa. I love, I mean, I'm the guy that's, I'm the guy that's historically been up here interrupting people, right? Okay? So I have liberty to say this. That's not the end. It's not the end. There's a greater glory that he wants to manifest. Those things come because it's a part of him and who he is. The greater glory is sonship. The greater glory is stepping into oneness and being revealed as a son and daughter of God and being glorified and allow the glory to be displayed. And we're going to get into that. So in verse 21, speaking of getting into the reason of the glory or the purpose of the glory, he says that they all may be one. Even you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us. He reiterates where we just left off. He repeats it. He says it more than once. That's important. That they may all be one, not one with each other, one with him. Even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us. He's given us a fourth place in the Trinity. He's given us a position in the Trinity. Of sonship. So that the world, the cosmos, so underline this, this is the purpose. So that the world, the cosmos, not just the earth, but all of creation, all of the galaxies, the planets, the suns, the nebulas, the quasars, the quarks, all of it. They're singing. Did you know everything in creation has a sound frequency and vibration that has been recorded by science? And it's a song of praise to God. That the world, the cosmos, may believe that you sent me. There's a reason for the glory. He wants to glorify you and make you glorified. And cause his splendor to shine in you and through you, just as it did with Jesus. No, even greater than it did with Jesus. Because you're under a better covenant. Jesus was operating out of the old covenant to reveal the new covenant. So that the world, the creation, would see and know the sons and daughters of God revealed. So that they would know, all of creation would know that Jesus was sent by us. And more importantly, by the Father. The purpose of you being glorified is for them. 
Now verse 22, the coup de grace. The glory, the doxa, the good opinion in a New Testament context, always a good opinion of. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one just as we are one. There's more. Remember at the head of the prayer in verse 5, Jesus asked for a glory that he had left behind. In the context of his request, and in the light of what he prays in verse 22, he's saying, the glory that I asked for in verse 5, you have given me. He got an answer to his request. He's not talking about the glory that we are familiar with. He's referencing the glory that he asked for in verse 5. Verse 5 contextualizes the passage and the rest of it. Where have the Bible scholars been? Where have the theologians been? I, you know, look, I, I mean, the first time I saw this about had a conniption. I was screaming in my house, where were the Bible scholars? Where have you been? The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. The glory that he had before there was a was has now been given to us. That they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in oneness, in unity, so that the world, again, purpose, the world may know that you sent me. And loved them even as you have loved me. The same love. Oh God, help me unpack this. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected into unity. There is a perfection that is happening in the context of the history of the church. As we are coming into this age that all time has been working up to. Because in Romans 8.19, which is the, the theme of, of, of the revealing with Chip Payne and why that image is the image that it is, is that all of creation is groaning in expectation for the time, the epoch, the season in which the sons and daughters of God are fully revealed. And what I'm saying to you is, is that this is the premise and the proof that we are stepping into an age of glory, kingdom glory. A revealing is coming upon us, and we have to align our minds and our hearts with the truth of His Word. Our experience and our history does not have the authority to define the truth of the Word of God. And it's time to begin speaking to our circumstance and our experience and say, No, you will serve the truth. You will serve the Word, which is the Word of the Lord. No, Father, I am in you. And you are in me. Glorify me that I may glorify you. Display your majesty and splendor in me and upon me that the world may know that you've sent me. And sent Jesus, your son. At the end of verse 23, he says, so that the world may know that you've sent me and love them. That not just Jesus loves us, but the world would know that the Father The Father himself 
would love us, that the world is going to stand back and look and marvel at you and go, the Father loves them. Father, I desire that they may also, that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. Where are you? In him. Seated in? Is is Jesus seated next to the throne? Is he being worshipped by the cherubim and the seraphim? I got news for you. Step in. You can go there. You're in Christ. You can be there right with the Father. You don't have to be in that place. I mean, yes, there's a place for us to be worshiping with him, worshiping him like the elders in Revelation 4. But there's a place where we come as dearly, dearly beloved children where we sit on Papa's lap upon the throne with the green emerald rainbow shining across and the sounds of mighty rushing waters and, and all of the lightnings and thunderings of God in his voice. We have the position of sonship where we climb into Papa's lap. Remember I said places. The reason he wants us to be with him where he is is so that we may see the glory with which you have given me. He says that they may see my glory which you have given me For you love me before the foundation of the world. There's a principle we've talked about in this church many times. What you behold, you become. You lack glory, then go into heaven. Behold him. You will become like him. We're almost done. O righteous Father, O the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known you that you sent me. And I have made your name, the Adhevavhe, known to them and will make it known. So so I've made it known, and I'm going to continue to make it known. It is, and it's going to continue to be. So that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. In other words, Jesus is praying that we would understand that the very love that the Father has for his, his firstborn son, Jesus, has been given to us in the same quality and the same quantity. The same love the Father has for Jesus, the exact same perfected love that he has for Jesus, He has now placed upon you and your head. He gave a bounty for your head. And and it was the death and burial and resurrection of his son so that he could crown you with love and compassion. The same love, I'm going to say this again because you've got to get it into your heart. I speak to your heart. Receive this freely. Open your hearts. I say receive this freely. The love of the Father that he has for his son Jesus is the same exact love in quantity and quality that the Father has for you. 
In other words, that when, when the Father looks at you, he sees no different than his son Jesus. And so therefore, when he sees, he sees no difference between you and Jesus because of the work and the grace of Jesus. It's his work, the grace, to do what we couldn't do. He extends the same benefits and the same glory that he gave Jesus and he gives to us. Now, when you hear, you will do even greater things. What stirs in your heart? With God, all things are possible. Come on, with God, all things are possible. So, um, Pastor Doug is going to come up um, and, and lead, I guess, the, the love offering. I want to I say, there's a principle of trading in the kingdom. Jesus traded his life, and in exchange, what did he get? All of creation restored back to the Father, right? When we give an offering, we're trading. I don't want you just to trade into me and my family, although I love that and I appreciate that. I want you to trade into the revelation. I want you to trade into the word of what was spoken today, that you would, you would bring an exchange and say, I'm bringing an offering because I want some of this. I want understanding. I want this. I desire this. Father, I crave this. And that you would sow into that so that you may reap a harvest a thousandfold. Come on, Katie Souza. Dunamis power. Fire, fire, fire. All right? A thousandfold return. Amen? Pastor Doug? Amen. Chip's going to come back up and just kind of lead us in a moment of invitation, response, activation. And uh, so we'll have that moment here in just a minute. But this is our moment to bless uh, our friend and this man and bless his family. And so... Um, you can do it through by writing a check out to Harvest Renewal Church. You can do it by giving of cash. You can do it by, you may say, gosh, I'd like to do something to bless Chip, but I didn't bring anything today. Well, you can go on, on to our website, to our giving page. There'll be a little tab you click on into giving and go in there and you can give by just selecting the tab, which is, we'll say guest speaker. Okay. So let's pray. All right. Father, we thank you, God, for this opportunity to bless, to give. Father, we thank you, Lord, that, uh, that because we're in you and you are in us, God, that that is a part of our nature. God, it's a part of that nature that is speak in the book of Peter, that, God, we have that, the nature of God living within us. And we thank you, God, that we are givers and we are generous and because you have blessed us, Father. So we get, thank you for this opportunity to be able to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and receive. If you're a part of the ministry team today, we want you to be able to be ready to come right up here as soon as Chip invites you up here. Um, whether, uh, you know, you're on the schedule today or not, I don't know. But just respond to be a part of that. Chip. I want to um, thank Pastor Doug and the elders for the privilege to be back and to minister. Um, you know, this is my family. I also want to say to those that have never heard me preach before, I get very passionate. And my, my loud voice is not me yelling at you. It's my excitement and joy about what God is bringing in Revelation. So 
please don't take my exuberance the wrong way, okay? Um, my wife always reminds me she hates it when I yell. <laughs> I hear my wife in the background, don't yell. Oh, too late. <laughs> so, um, listen, um, I have ministered this message before, and I did it here in the city not long ago. And there was a per. I, I specifically said, "Is there anybody that is that you don't believe that you're wired for the glory?" Um, like I said earlier, I'm one of those lightning rods. I mean, you start praying for me, I fall, or you start praying for me, I laugh. I mean, that's just who I am. But that doesn't mean that you're any less, right? You're valuable. You have the same love that Jesus, that God has for the Father has for Jesus. He has for you. He made you. He created you, wired you the way that you are. But there, but we've allowed our experience to trump the, the truth of the revelation of God's word. And I challenged, I said, I want somebody to come forward that's never experienced the glory or doesn't believe that God can use them um, to, dim, to display his glory. And I had a young man come up um, who just very analytical, um, I can't remember if it's right brain, left brain, whatever side of the brain that's more analytical, left brain. He's left brain. And, um, and so I prayed for him to receive the glory. I said, Lord, bring him into, give him the glory. So I did an activation of the glory. And then I had him pray for somebody. Now he felt nothing, which was perfect because he got to see, even though his feelings didn't manifest anything, the truth and the revelation did. And he saw God touch a man through him with the glory that he never thought was possible for his life. You know, feelings are important, but they are not the truth. And we have to speak to our feelings to come into alignment with the truth. Millennials, please take note. Love you. All right. So this is what we're going to do this morning. I want anybody that wants the glory, and I mean, I know, okay, that's everybody, right? Yeah, please take it. Um, thank you, Jamie. Um, and I'm just going to, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out prayer. I'm just going to pray, Father, give them the glory. Because you're, you're coming up in faith to receive. You're making a, your, your action is declaring a statement, I want this. So I'm just going to lay hands on you and say, receive the glory. And you're going to receive it, not by your feelings, but by faith. And then I want those that have never seen healing, never have felt like God has used you in that way, to stick around. And we're going to pray, for, try to pray for some people to see this thing activated so that you can start ministering in confidence in who you really are. Amen? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just come before you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the truth. Holy Spirit, we thank you for bringing truth and revelation, opening the eyes of our heart. Today is a day of the eyes of the heart opening. Woo! Come on, it's a good thing. Father, we thank you right now that you desire to give us the glory. That was what Jesus prayed. Jesus, that was your purpose. And we say today, 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 today is the day for the revealing of your sons and daughters. And we say, yes, Lord. We say, come, Holy Spirit, and have your way. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Anybody that would like the glory, wants the glory, you can come forward. I will be here to minister.